Welcome to this episode of Purely Poop, the number two podcast. We're hosts, Justin and Ashley, and we're here to talk about the crap that makes society a little squeamish. This is a project that's been digesting for quite a while, <laughs> and now we're here to find answers, tell stories, and also to get people to start talking about their shit. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Purely Poop. Uh, on the podcast today, we have, if you just want to introduce yourself. Yeah, sure. This is uh, Anish Sheth. I'm a gastroenterologist in Princeton, New Jersey, also known as Dr. Stool, I guess. So we'll, uh, we'll go by that. But yeah, I'm a, a GI doctor and I'm uh, happy to be here. Awesome. How did awesome. you get that name, Dr. Stool? Uh, you know, in our books, we needed uh, to sort of kind of have a combination of, of sort of humor as, as we'll get to, as well as somebody that we could know and trust to give good, healthy, you know, health information. And so the, uh, the guy in the book that delivers that information is known as Dr. Stool and, and the rest is history. Okay, cool. Yeah, awesome. Absolutely. I was like really curious about that. I was like, I keep seeing Dr. Stool and I'm like, is this some like random entity or was it you or something like that? So that's really great to know that that was like, okay, like jokes aside, this is what we're really talking about. And this is what's yeah. really important. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, when Josh uh, Richmond and I started to write this book, we wanted to sort of walk the line. We knew that this was something that was on people's minds, but we wanted to make it accessible. And we thought, you know, yeah. tasteful humor if that's possible <laughs> yeah it was a good, poop. <laughs> right it was, it was a good way to sort of get people in the door so to speak but then yeah. uh, obviously to, to give some uh, good takeaway information as well right oh and the book that we're talking about it, it is called the complete what's your poo telling you if um that's if you're not reading the title of the podcast episode as well yeah. so this is um it says that it's bigger thicker and loaded with facts does that mean you guys originally had a different version of this and then just add yeah. to it yeah it's a good question so the history behind this was uh 10 years ago the the first edition so to speak of this book came out and then mm -hmm. since then there's been uh other uh versions that have come out there's been a uh, a daily sort of tearaway calendar now that is i think eight <laughs> or nine years running which oh my has God. Awesome. and so i think i guess in a way to celebrate if you will the 10th anniversary of the initial book we've sort of compiled a lot of the information that's come in different places and and uh, packed it into this uh, double digest, as we call it. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> Is that something that's always been um, really interesting to you? Like growing up, did you talk a lot about poop? We did. Or was it okay? How did that come? Yeah, about? I, well, I, I blame my dad. I think that's uh, we <laughs> as we, we all we, do we, for things. Yeah, exactly. So we are, are giving credit whichever one, but yeah. we. Um, we were very open in our household about mm -hmm. about talking about this aspect, and I think you know he he's actually a physician. He's not a gastroenterologist, but okay. Um, I guess for him it was just something that he was comfortable talking about in terms mm -hmm. of making sure that you know everything's working properly, that your diet is good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it, it started there, and then obviously I went into a field where we deal with various issues, dealing with the bowels and the GI tract and intestinal mm -hmm. health and stuff. 
And so when jo- Josh Richmond, my co-author, and I, we went to we went to college together. We went to Brown University, believe it or not. Which I you, think it's hilarious. You, you can't make this stuff up. And, and I then, love you know, it. We, we sort of, yeah, it's uh, so it just evolved from there. And I think it was yeah. uh, again, like we talked about, just walking that line. People want to have fun with this, but also yeah. to give some real good, real good information as well. Yeah, that's yeah. that's super important. Did you get in, in trouble a in, lot at school <laughs> for talking about it? Did you ever like find a point where you're like, oh, this isn't something normal, like normal quote unquote families talk about every day kind of thing with yeah. each other? You know, I think growing up, I kind of knew that. So this was sort of like a household, like, believe it or not, dinner table type discussion. <laughs> I'm not sure that uh, we talked about it too much in school growing up. So it, it did not okay. get me into trouble. That's good. I just remember my aunt taught my sister the diarrhea song once at like a like a family dinner. And then she got in big trouble at school for singing that song in the middle of class or something to like one of her friends. So I'm like always curious if kids have gotten into trouble for talking about that kind of thing. Not that I recall. It could have happened. but <laughs> Awesome. Um, we, we were talking earlier about mm-hmm. the, the difference between like people in South Africa versus people in the U S and I guess Mm -hmm. this could be also around other parts of the world in terms of like frequency and how that affects consistency as well. Frequency, consistency, how that affects health, how that like uh, differs from like region to region as well as in terms of what that can tell us about like different cultures. Yeah. I think it tells us a lot about diet. So there's a big variability. I think if you look at, uh, frequency, for instance, uh, certain Asian countries, for instance, uh, sub-Saharans where they have a really high fiber diet, they'll, right. they'll move their bowels three times as much and actually not even so much the frequency, but just the amount of stool that they uh, excrete on a daily basis is by weight even three, two or three times as much as it is, say, in, in certain industrialized countries and it really comes down to fiber intake so you know recommendations um for fiber on a daily basis in this country about 25 grams yeah Mm -hmm. uh and we the average uh the average american gets about 10 to 12. oh my god if you look at at other cultures that are more agrarian based uh diets have more agrarian based diets they -hmm. get you know more than 25 they're getting 30 35 grams of fiber a day and so that that actually goes a long way to, uh, I th- and we'll, you know, a lot of these gut health issues like colon cancer, for instance, diverticulosis, which we can get into later, are much less common in some of these other countries, as you've talked about, purely because of diet. Wow. Huh. That's, that's pretty incredible that it's, it's, that we're getting like half of what we should be getting. Absolutely. Yeah, it's true. And I think that's why you see a lot of rates of, of some of these diseases just much higher in the United States, not just the U.S., Western Europe, yeah. industrialized, you okay. know, a lot of processed food, high red meat content, things like that, yeah. which I think are slowly changing. I think people are becoming more health conscious, but that certainly has been, you know, kind of the last couple of decades, the kind sure. of the norm. For sure. Um, when you first released the book, uh, going back to like when you first started with Josh, is that something that you were like, oh, we don't see this a lot? Because I know like right now there's a lot of books that you can put on the back yeah. of your toilet seat and everything like that. Sure. Was this one of the first ones, do you think? Or is there something that's specifically special that you're like pitching it to the, the publisher and they're like, OK, this is a good one kind of thing? Yeah, it's a good question. I think we happen to be in a lot of this with books in particular is about timing. 
And there's a couple of things that happened right around when our book came out. So obviously we started writing it about, you know, late 2006, 2007, it got published right shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. But uh, several things happened. I mean, Oprah uh, did a show that had to do with uh, gut health. I think this is before Dr. Oz even existed, but yeah. they did a show, which was like an expose tell all about number two. I don't know if you remember this, but you guys obviously are younger than I am. But there was a there's a show called Scrubs, which did a, a uh-huh. musical we were, episode. We were just talking about Scrubs on our which last interview came out That's around funny. that time. Um, <laughs> and then you had the whole thing about you know a couple of probably five or six five years before the book came out, Katie Couric had her colonoscopy on live television. So there were a lot of things that were sort of I circling. About that. And um, and we sort of happened to be in that mix. And, and when our book came out, we initially, you know, pitched it to traditional books. You know, this is when like people went to yeah. bookstores to get books and stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but it it actually really took off in Urban Outfitters. So Urban Outfitters was known <laughs> and still oh. is to have these sort of kitschy, sort of edgy, sort of books. Yeah. yeah. And the book just did really well there. And I think there was just there was a you know there was this. I think this desire to like learn about this stuff, but also like to do it in a fun, tasteful way. There's a lot of stuff that was like sort of potty humor, lowbrow, but didn't yeah. really give you medical information. And there's obviously, you know, really like button up sort of like diet <laughs> books and gut health books that sort of combined everything in one. And I think that's sort of uh, where we sort of came in. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, that's 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 interesting because because you've definitely talked about walking that line between the kind of lightheartedness and the full blown like fact. Yeah, this is Dr. Stuhl, what he has to say to you kind of thing. Is there do you think it's because there's some sort of like shamefulness in talking about pooping and stuff like that and you wanted to present it in a way that people would feel more comfortable with it because you talked about the lowbrow humor and everything like that. But um do you feel like there has been like a negative, um, I don't know, response to just having a book about poop that's talking about like jokes and everything as well? I I, th- I think that's people's first instinct. I think when they actually pick up the book and read it, I think they're pleasantly surprised. I mean, it's the good thing about it is, I mean, it's most of the book is sort of appropriate even for, for kids, yeah. but it's, really a targeted to like a young adult sort of a, but I think people are pleasantly surprised when they pick it up and I think there's an initial reaction for traditional like bookstores and things to display it pro- there was I should say to display something like this prominently because you know you can just get dismissed as yet another potty humor book and you know what yeah. are you mm-hmm. adding adding to the sort of landscape here but yeah. but I think we've sort of broken that down a little bit um, and I think we all I think we're shocked by the success but I think you know, urban outfitters in particular sort of got us out there. And then um, once it sort of went viral from there, then the tra- I think then later on the traditional booksellers said, all right, you know, maybe we should take a closer look at this. And, uh, and they realized that this could actually be sort of pitched as a, as a, as a health book. And I think that, uh, I think oh, yeah. that's depending on how you look at it. It's, I think it's both, it's fun, but it's also informative. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I was going around work and telling people stuff from it. And they're like, I don't want to learn about poop. But then I would tell them something. And they're like, oh, that's kind of interesting, actually. Thanks for actually sharing that with me. Because a lot of people aren't comfortable talking about poop ever. No, they're not. Yeah. And to bring it to like a real medical type thing, you know, there's a, yeah. obviously irritable, irritable bowel syndrome is, is a really widespread. Tens of millions of people have irritable bowel syndrome in just the United States. 
And the average amount of time between the onset of symptoms like abdominal pain and diarrhea and actually seeing a doctor is two to two and a half years. So uh, unfortunately, a lot of the individuals who have IBS are young women. That's just the demographics. And I think part of it is, you know, when they come in the office and like, you know, I've had this for so long and you get into it, they just don't want to talk about it. They just maybe from a young age have been told that it's not something that you should, that we do and that you shouldn't do. So unfortunately, a lot of people are suffering with things like IBS Mm -hmm. just because of what you said, because they don't want to actually go to the doctor and, you know, they got to talk about about I'll have it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's definitely what I've encountered being like being a female. It's been kind of frowned upon whenever I do start talking about it, as well as anytime I talk to any of my female friends, that's something that they they're like, yeah, I was ashamed. But like, I don't know if it was anything that anyone ever said, like, you should be shameful about this or anything like that. It was just something like girls don't fart. Girls don't poop. That was just something that was really widespread as a joke throughout school. Yeah. Even though there's that book, everybody poops. Like, <laughs> but then they're like, nope, nobody does. Girls <laughs> yeah, don't, uh, at least. Unfortunately, yeah. I mean, and the yeah. flip side is that a lot of a lot of women once they start going to school or work, they just don't go to the bathroom in in public places. I mean, they'll right. just learn to hold it in, and that leads to issues down the road with constipation and and a lot of these other issues that that come up. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh man. I covered my I covered my notes. <laughs> um, has so like going towards you now instead of um, only the book is um, has talking about poop like helped your relationships or has it put kind of um, a wall up in in relationships that you've had in the past whether it be friendships or uh, like a significant other in, in in your life. You know, sorry. I, I... Lost. I heard part of the question. There, could you repeat oh, that? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're the connection's kind of funky right now. Yeah, uh, pr- pretty much going back to the the notion of like intimacy and how these conversations often like don't come up in intimate relationships, whether it be friendships or whether mm-hmm. it be relationships of the romantic nature. Has that ever been something that's been um, a sticking point in a relationship of yours? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I think that uh, at the initial, uh, you know, when you're initially dating, I think it's something that nobody wants to talk about, let alone actually do in the presence of uh, their significant other. But I think it's, you know, we talk about this being a good benchmark for a relationship and to, you know, what level it has gotten. It's sort of like leaving your tooth. When do you leave your toothbrush at your significant other's apartment? It's, yeah. you know, yeah. when are you comfortable just having a bowel movement, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> obviously, in, you know, in somebody. It does, it does it's certainly something that I think most people will avoid. Men and women alike, I think, will avoid at all costs uh, yeah. early yeah. in the relationship. Just as what we said. I mean, let's face it. There's a stigma associated with it. It's sort of a very personal uh, matter. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and just like you're not just going to open up but all your – you know, whatever skeletons you have in your closet, that's not going to happen in the first few weeks or months of a relationship. And right. similarly, this is something not to be, uh, <laughs> I don't think not to be undertaken, you know, lightly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, okay. This is probably a really personal question. Um, <laughs> I, I want to start asking um, people's like, would you rather is one of <laughs> 
Stop. Um, one of them is like, would you prefer to have very like rough toilet paper or, you know, the soft kind that it leaves that residue on you? Why are you shaking Nothing. your head? I'm not shaking my head. I'm just looking at you. <laughs> Don't talk so, so those are the only two options. Either yes. something that cleans properly but is abrasive or something yes. that is soft but doesn't get the job done. Yeah. Oh, that's like the hardest question anyone's right? ever asked. <laughs> um, and using a bidet or using water is not an option here? No. Definitely not. It's that's a one-time thing or this is yeah, like... Yeah, it's one just time. once. Not, not forever. So one time I'm going to have to go rough uh, with that cleans well. Yeah. Yeah. I get that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what I have to go with. Just because I don't like the idea of walking around all day with residue. So Right. Someone I'll take the pain that, if, it, if it keeps the thing clean. I'll take it. I think the uh, I asked one other person this, and I think they thought that they would have to do it for the rest of their life. And they're like, "I'd rather have the like the cloud toilet paper." And I'm like, "You're crazy! You just have residue like sticking up on your bum all day long. That's crazy." <laughs> do you have like a specific favorite part in the book? Is there a specific? I don't know if it's like a chapter or if it's a type of piece of advice. I don't know. Yeah. Something in there that stands out to you mostly that you love telling people about. Yeah. I love Pooforia. I think <gasps> Pooforia is, uh, I mean, not only is it, you know, a lot of the things we talk about in the book are unsavory and just things that we don't like to experience like diarrhea, constipation, where, but Pooforia is, I think, and actually there's a little bit of a mystery behind it. So Pooforia just, for your listeners is basically the ideal pooing experience. So everything yeah, mm-hmm. from the delivery, the evacuation, mm-hmm. most importantly to how you feel afterwards yeah. is just, you know, it's just sublime and positive. And, and so I think we often think about gut health and bowel health and what it takes for the ideal stool. Mm-hmm. But pooforia is actually very rare, at least in my experience. It's just something that we don't experience, unfortunately, that often. Even if you have a really good, soft, large bowel movement, it doesn't give you that extra sort of high that we're talking about with pooforia. <laughs> These are just those maybe once every couple months sort of things where you get up and we talk about it in the book. You just want to high five the first person you see when you leave the bathroom. <laughs> you know, you your like, hands, of course. Of course. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you just feel light on your feet and it just gives you that sort of giddiness that, um, you know, people, again, equate with other pleasurable experiences in life. And I think, again, we, if we could figure out how to bottle that and what we could do to recreate that, I think it would be uh, it would be awesome. But oh so gosh, it's one of those yeah. things that speaks to, you know, to maximize the chances of pooforia. There are things like drinking enough water, eating enough fiber, exercising, avoiding certain foods, avoiding medications, things like that. But even mm-hmm. in that situation you could have a very nice bowel movement but not get pooforia and so i I love talking about it because i think people have their own experiences maybe you guys have your own experiences with it and i've always been curious about what people think goes into making that kind of just dramatic pleasurable experience of you know going to the bathroom Oh man, I w- we were literally just talking about cu- that because that's my f- that was one of my favorite things going through the book because I whenever I have to go, it's usually like I get up and then run away from my desk, not run, but 
I walk pretty fast. And then I come back smiling and people are yeah. like, what is your deal? And I'm, and I'm, I'm open and honest with them. I'm like, oh, I just had the best poop. You, like you, you just feel like lighter and stuff like that. And I don't know if there's um, like different stages of pooforia as well. Cause I feel like I've had different stages where you're like, I've been holding that in for like a whole day or gosh, <laughs> I had this really great meal and I know that it's going to be good the next time I go, that kind go. of thing. So different types of stages are definitely a huge thing for me but i i like crave that feeling every time i go and i don't think a lot of people are comfortable like saying that because i don't know if they've experienced it like you said because of our diets and the way that we treat ourselves because we don't drink enough water we don't eat enough fiber we don't think about what we're consuming and putting into our bodies we think oh coffee great that's going to make me poop and that's the only way that i can poop and it's not. It's absolutely not because I rarely yeah. drink coffee. <laughs> yeah. And I think for a lot of people, it's like you said, it's just about getting the job done, something that you just have to do. Again, like yeah. brushing your teeth or like whatever, you know. But it's uh, if you really, like you said, if you embrace it and and really think about your diet and, you know, it can really, I think, add to your, it just adds to your quality of life. I mean, there's it's uh especially if you start your day if you start your day with one of those bowel movements i mean you know it's oh, gonna be yeah. a good day before you yeah. leave the house <laughs> i wish i could i there was i don't remember what part of the book it was in but i remember that i think it was about douching and like um there's a there's a part where the mothers train their children to poop on command so because they're working or something like that. Can you expand a little bit more on that? Did you find any more information about that? Yeah, no, really there's, I mean, there's a lot of cultures where it's just, you know, this whole notion of potty training is just not practical because, you know, the moms are working. They may not have access to toilets and right. uh, public toilets and things. So it's just crucial that, you know, kids aren't going to the bathroom all over the place. <laughs> Um, they, don't, they, don't, they may not have diapers, you know, whatever the case may be. And so they have just, uh, you know, learned to read signals and, and the kids learn to give signals uh, before mm -hmm. they can even speak um, mm -hmm. to indicate and, you know, go to the bathroom in a convenient location. And so I mean, it's, it's a thing of necessity um, here. Mm -hmm. You know, we obviously kids aren't toilet trained on average until two and a half, three years old. Right. But in other cultures, it happens before age two a lot. Wow. Where it, ha crazy. where it has to. Yep. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I thought about that. I was like, that'd be really interesting, like kind of Pavlovian signal or something. Like you hear a certain bell or something. It's like, oh, it's time. <laughs> you just <laughs> head off, which would be and interesting. And you know, kids, you can sort of predict, right? Because there are times where kids, kids go about 30 minutes to an hour after every time they feed, right? So that's part of it is you can sort yeah. of predict the window at where this is going to be an issue. And so I think, yeah. you know, they just have learned to read those cues. Whereas, you know, when we slap a diaper on a kid, it doesn't really matter if you're in the car or you're playing outside, uh -huh. they can mm -hmm. just take care of it whenever they want to. So. Uh. Yeah, I feel Which like has advantages. Yeah, Certainly. sometimes, <laughs> except for like the, I don't remember what the title of it was, but like the, the explosion of when a kid's farting and pooping at the same time when they're like two, oh, the three punami. months years old. Yeah, Poonami, that's what it was. Oh, that, that's, that's a disaster. I mean, that's just a all hands on deck situation. I mean, if there's someone, yeah. you need two people to change that diaper and clean up the collateral damage. I mean, that's just the worst though. <laughs> Typically, it, it, it can be actually a normal stool for some kids who are like breastfed and have very liquidy stools, but it can also, uh -huh. a lot of times it's like when they have a virus or something and 
It's just oh. coming out under high pressure. Oh, no. It's just, you know, <laughs> the diapers just don't have, you know, they don't have an elastic thing around no, the waist. It's just no wide open. So it's just, Jeez. you know, up to the back of the neck and it's just, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I assume you guys have never had to take care of a punami. No. I have not. We've heard a lot about it um, just from uh, other guests, like just talking about the explosiveness of it and also yeah. being peed on mostly yeah. by boys. But I'm excited for it, if that's weird. <laughs> I'm just excited to take care of a tiny human being that I made. So <laughs> <laughs> This is just icing on the cake, if you will. <laughs> not a very good smelling icing. Chocolate icing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's crazy. How many kids do you have? If you don't mind, I have two kids. They're they're two way kids. out of diaper age, uh, though. So that, those days yeah. are thankfully over. Was it easier to like tra- like uh, like they talk about how the first kid it's like the hardest because you're just getting used to everything? Sure. Was it easier with the uh, like dealing with smelly diapers and everything like that the second time around, or is it just as bad? Just the smell and. Yeah, so this is funny. This is a good, this is a good question. So my wife's a pediatrician, so mm-hmm. uh, she deals with the little kids all the time. Yeah. Uh, and she still to this day doesn't understand how somebody who's a gastroenterologist who writes about poop speaks about it. And, pres- <laughs> and I don't really deal with it as that much at work, but I mean, I'm right. doing colonoscopies in people's intestines and things. How sort of squeamish and averse I was to <laughs> getting involved in the diaper changing aspect of things. So yeah, uh, it is, a, it is a little bit of, um, yeah, it's maybe not something I'm proud of, but yeah, I, I wasn't jumping up to, to get in there for, for diaper changes. But as, as we talked about in the book, for those of listeners out there who are trans thinking about transitioning from breastfeeding their kid to formula feeding, the one big mm-hmm. advantage of breastfeeding your baby is that the stools um, don't smell bad believe it or not. Interesting. So, huh. Yeah. So it's, uh, some people, not me have described breastfed poop as, uh, as actually having a little bit of a sweet smell to it. Not so, me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think all, all of it doesn't, is not really the best, but no, but that is one advantage of breastfeeding actually is that the stools are, uh, they're a little bit more liquidy, but they don't smell as bad. That's hmm. so interesting. I actually have never heard that at all. What, what's, what's the reason for that? So breast milk is very easily digested. This is one of the big pluses of, uh, and why people, one of the big reasons people are pushing breast, push breastfeeding is just because mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, it's the way we were made. It's the way we've evolved and, uh, breast milk is much easily, much more easily digested by, uh, you know, an infant's intestinal tract. So there's very little residue, very little stuff left over to create, issues of, you know, belly, belly pain or gas or diarrhea right. or yeah. things. And, you know, formula is formula. It's, you know, artificial in a sense. Mm. And, um, you know, some, some women are unable to breastfeed. There's nothing wrong with formula, but yeah. from a right. strictly digestive standpoint, it's a much harder thing for, for infants to process. And mm. so, you know, the byproducts of the digestive process just create smellier poop. Huh. Interesting. Wow. I like this. Yeah. I'm excited for sweet smell and poop because <laughs> I have go. never experienced that ever. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. We yeah, really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, you guys are great. It's a lot of fun. So Good. Awesome. Good luck with everything. And, uh, you you know, as hopefully, well. Hopefully your yeah, listeners learn something along the way here. Yeah. yeah. Make sure to buy this book, you guys. It's 
so entertaining for one, but also super, super informative. I learned so much reading it. I'm going to go back through it again. I have lots of post-it notes in here. So if anybody <laughs> that I know wants to borrow it, come at me. <laughs> uh, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, so right now uh, we're actually our, our landing page is under construction. It was, uh, it still is, uh, drstool.com. So that's drstool.com. That actually will now uh, take you to a direct page at Chronicle Books to uh, nice. buy the book, read excerpts about the book, things of that sort. Also on Amazon and, and various other places as well. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And everybody, until next time. Yep. Stay, stay regular. regular. Thanks so much for listening. We want to thank Rich Kilfoyle for his project Ghost Revolver, who made us the incredible music. Thanks to Jordan Hendricks for the incredible cover art. Also, thanks to Argos Productions for letting us use their space and equipment. Head over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and review. So we have something to read on the toilet. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook. Subscribe to this podcast here or wherever you you know consume podcasts. <laughs> you can also do that at our shiny website. Until next time, stay stay regular. regular.